We see the world through the subjective lens of our subconscious mind. And so it's really important for people to ask themselves, not just what unmet needs did I have in childhood, what pain, but also what suffering, what painful events did I go through and what stories did I tell about myself or other people because of them? And how are those things impacting me? Is this making me a better person or is this helping me push people away or sabotage relationships? And we have to take inventory of that as a first step. Welcome back to the Balance Boldly podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm your host, Nikita Renthigpen, here as always to make sure that you have an excellent opportunity to invest in yourself. Did you hear that? Hashtag invest in yourself. A little personal development goes a long way, which is why I am thrilled to wrap up this year with this woman who has been a beast to get on the schedule, by the way. Like her schedule is a wackadoo to do and it is awesome because we love our ambitiously bold women with very productive, not busy, very productive schedules. But I have been hunting her down. I don't even know how many times we've been back and forth like, no, this one has to work, it has to work. So right now we get to wrap up the year in season 22, all about fully living the life you teach with Miss Thais Gibson. Mm, mm, mm. You just, you guys, wait, you are in for a treat. All right, give you a little background on Miss Tai. She is an author, speaker, and co-creator of the Personal Development School. You see why I love her already? Mm-hmm. Okay, hashtag that. Love her already. Personal development is my life. Anyway, she's extremely passionate about personal growth, the subconscious mind, and connecting with others. Thais is best known for her contributing work and research on attachment theory and the impact of attachment trauma on our adult romantic relationships. After overcoming her own challenges with addiction in her early years, Thais is profoundly determined to educate people on how they can reprogram painful or limiting programs in their own mind. Thais, welcome to the Balance Boldly podcast. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the wonderful introduction. You're welcome. You made it easy. Like your background, your go through, how many certifications are you up to now? 14, 15, 25? <laughs> 14, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little excessive, but I love this stuff. So yeah. not at all. You are not excessive. You are a woman who is passionate about transformation. And that resonates with me. You're probably the first woman on the show in a really long time where I can have that same conversation. I'm like, I don't know how many degrees and certifications I have. At this point, it doesn't matter. I'm just focused on you. And I get to say, I'm like, yes, she understands what I mean. Hashtag nerd life, right? (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Very true. So awesome. Tell all the listeners a little bit about Thais Gibson and kind of what pulls you forth these days. And what, sorry, was the last part? And what pulls you forth these days? Ah, so, um, so right now I'm in a space where I'm just absolutely loving life, honestly. Um, I know it's been a tough year for everybody and I, I definitely, my heart goes out to everybody from that perspective. Um, but, you know, we've, our whole school is online, working hard, um, sort of trying to maintain that work-life balance like you're talking about. And um I would say it, we're sort of at a point right now with our business, which is really nice where because everything's work, you know, we're working from home, everybody's working online. Um, it's really easy to have those healthy habits. So, you know, have an amazing morning routine going, a nice productive day of work, try not to be too busy, but productive. I love that you mentioned that. And then, um, and some, some nice evening habits as well. And, and 
just sort of in the flow in seven areas of life and, and feeling good about everything. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So what made you decide to dive in this end of the pool? Because you have a very layered history, right? Like, you know, your life speaks for itself. Like you could push certifications aside and be like, I have so much experience in this growth through that that alone allows me this space of credibility to be able to pour into other people who might be relating. But you took it further and started to invest in, invest in your education, your own, you know, being coached, being trained, being advised. But what made you decide to go another route? So for me, um, it was very, very personal, obviously. So I guess I can share a little bit about my, my background. So I grew up um, in a home where there was probably a significant amount of attachment trauma. Um, and you know, as a child, you don't really realize what's going on. You just think this is weird. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on here and, and things like that. And then, um, I was also an athlete. So I was trying to get a soccer scholarship to leave from Toronto and go to the U S and, and, you know, play soccer and, and all that stuff. And, and that was sort of a big goal I had my whole early childhood, but in my scouting year, I, I, um, had a bad knee injury and had to have this big surgery. And it was right before my 15th birthday. Um, I had the surgery and right after that, just immediately addicted to painkillers um, before I even knew really what addiction was, to be quite honest. Like I remember having my first set of withdrawals and going, what is this? Like what's going on with me? What's happening? And not even knowing enough about addiction in and of itself to know what I was experiencing at the time. And so I went through and I had this very strong um, desire to be like what like get myself back like who who am I becoming what's going on and 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 seeking out these painkillers from a girl who was selling them to me at school this whole thing and I remember feeling like there was just this in, very intense battle within me where every day I'd go home at night and I'd be like this is the last time I'm not doing this I would journal I'm gonna avoid her in the hallway tomorrow I'm gonna do this I'm gonna and I would put all these things together and I just felt like I was fighting this tremendous battle within myself like mm just and one of the most intense and painful things about addiction in and of itself is that um it's tormenting it's it's you 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 say this is it I'm gonna stop I'm not gonna do this and you lose the battle day after day after day after day and it's very defeating and and so I couldn't understand that and I'd always been somebody who was very strong-willed and very determined and like if I put my mind to something I could make it work and this was like I was just helpless and one day, um, you know, I was pretty high functioning at the same time. I still ended up getting a soccer scholarship, going to going off to school, but I was struggling on the inside. Like outside things looked okay. On the inside, I was in pain and suffering. And I had this one day where I was leaving a class and I was actually thinking like, I don't even know if I can keep doing school. I don't know if I can keep, like I was thinking like doubting everything about life at this point. And I had one of the students in, in the class, we were chatting about something and he said, oh, well, your conscious mind can't outwill or overpower your subconscious mind. And in that one sentence, he encompassed that entire struggle within myself that was like, this is why you are suffering the way that you are. Because I would say one of the hardest parts about addiction is just the torment, this like losing battle. And it was like earth shattering for me. And so from that moment, I was like, I need to learn everything I can about the subconscious mind. And I had already in the summertime gone to rehab. I had already like on school breaks, like I was trying all these different things. I wanted to get better, but I just couldn't. And, um, 
And so when he said that, it was like, oh my goodness, everything makes sense. So that really put me on a journey of like, I'm going to understand everything about the subconscious. And that was one of the profound things that I learned is your conscious mind cannot outwill or overpower your subconscious mind. We can reprogram, we can do different things around it. But if we don't engage the subconscious mind in the process of transformation, we're just going to be hitting our head against the wall. And we look at things like people's new year's resolutions. And it's like, I think the statistic is something like 88% of people fail their new year's resolutions in the first seven days. Exactly. And it's because if we don't have our subconscious mind connected to what we're trying to achieve, connected to our goals, connected to everything that we're trying to do around us, then our, our subconscious mind will always pull us in the direction it desires. And so that was a huge turning point for me. Obviously part of why I ended up doing all this work around like hypnosis and NLP and, and understanding the subconscious mind further, because I wanted to know everything about how it works and what we can do. And that was definitely the profound tipping point of what allowed me to be able to become sober and have a healthy life. And then I've gone on to apply that to like career goals and reprogramming limiting beliefs and financial goals and removing lack beliefs and all these different things. And and so it's been a very powerful experience. Yeah, no, I appreciate so much about you sharing, not just like the high level of the story, but the reality that you were someone who really wanted better because we all have a myth or many of us have a myth that, you know, anyone dealing with any kind of addiction regarding food, sex, love, you know, whatever it is, relationships, that you don't want to get better, that you're addicted to the drama of it all. And there are some people who that is their addiction is that that attention that they're getting from whatever those circumstances are, whatever that confusion is created, but that's not every addict who's dealing with it. Like my personal addiction was stress. You could pack it on. And because I got that endorphin hype, that dopamine hype from just like, oh, task done, 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 done. It didn't matter that the migraines were coming on more. It was like, you know, I was chasing more of it. And for me, it was the stress and hiding from all of the the trauma, right? Like hiding from all the wounds that I just really, I didn't want to see, smell, touch, taste any of whatever was oozing out of that. So I just got deeper and deeper into the busy. And I wanted to be better once I understood that there was an actual addiction in the first place, which I know for some people, that's the other part of it. So they're like, oh, I'm not addicted. I just like, I just like eating. I just like drinking. I just like sex. I just like, right? Like, it's, just I, it's just, yeah. Yeah. But whenever we have this part of us where there's detrimental downsides to it and, and we are literally trying to create change we're like okay we want to make a a, a shift we want to do something about it and we keep falling back into the same patterns it would be classified as some form of addiction and every addiction is there to cover up some kind of trauma that's unresolved Mm -hmm. at the subconscious level and it's always some form of distraction not everybody who goes through trauma will become addicted but everybody who's addicted to anything has gone through enough trauma that they're willing to have this coping mechanism to try to deter themselves from having to feel and be with themselves in that I'm so grateful you said that. I just had a conversation with someone the other day that really didn't think that they had any kind of trauma at all. And they are uber, uber independent. When I say like, you know, at the cash register, they're like, oh, no, no, don't bag my things. Like, it doesn't matter. They're like, oh, no, I got it. They want to do everything. They're not trusting at any level. And so we were having that conversation and they're not a client. They were just, you know, 
uh, I like a tea conversation. So I was only going to go, but so deep, right? Um, you have to have permission to go further. But it was telling them they need to really look at that. She's like, I don't have any trauma. You know, we, we're wealthy. We had this, we had that. And as we had more of the conversation, she talked about having multiple nannies, right? And having the nannies be her parents, even though her par parents are alive and were physically there, they would often push her away. And she ended up sharing a story about her having like a fever. She just remember feeling really sick when she was about five, six years old. She went into her parents' room to just get some loving, like, oh, I don't feel good. And they just immediately push away. Oh, go see whatever her name. I'm going to say Lisa. Go see Nana Lisa, your, your nanny, um, and just basically get out of here. And that was her first micro trauma, right? hundred percent. And, and the, it's so funny because as you were talking, I'm like, she's dismissive avoidant attachment. Style, yes. sure. <laughs> Cause you said she wouldn't let people bag her groceries. I'm like, I know who she is, but, but that's, you know, trauma. And this is in the words of Dr. Gabor Mate. It's one of my favorite quotes about trauma. He says, trauma is the things that happened that shouldn't have happened, like physical abuse, emotional abuse, whatever it might be. And also the things that didn't happen that should have happened. So like emotional neglect, we should have had that nurturing. We needed that to thrive, to grow, to trust, to feel safe connecting to others, didn't get that. And so when there's an absence of that, those are the traumas that go most overlooked, most unseen and are most, you know, swept under the rug. But those are sometimes the things that impact us most profoundly. And we will always see because of how the subconscious mind works, the things that we didn't get if we didn't do some work around it, you can bet we're in a state of re-traumatization in the relationship to ourselves because we are not giving ourselves those exact same things. And so, you know, the people who are emotionally neglected, they're going to grow up and be the most emotionally neglectful around their own emotions, their own needs. And so we have to be able to recognize those sort of under the cover things that, that often get overlooked and be able to go, okay, where, how am I actually reenacting this in the relationship to myself? And that's a huge point of change. Mm, 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 mm. I want to break out the maracas and I can hear the person that's going to edit this saying, don't do that again. They're so loud, but I'm going to do it anyway, because you just hit like one of those moments. Where I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> they hate when I do that. <laughs> don't do that. You know how much we have to do to break that noise down? Um, but yes, and you can see me. You guys that are listening can't see me, but Thais can see me. I'm like bobbing my head like a bobblehead because you are dead on. And you hit my favorite word, my third favorite word. My first is balance. My second is boundaries. And my third is relationships, right? And you said the R word. And the fact that it not only impacts your relationship with yourself, which is the most crucial relationship you can have, but then obviously we spill it out right? Like we spill it out onto other people. So I would love for you to share like just what you've seen in your work and maybe even with your own story, like how, when you're fragmented within self, because you you're aware something is wrong. You may have even appreciated that there was some trauma that wasn't your fault. So you've gotten to that level, but now you're just trying to figure out what do I do next? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, yeah, I'm overly independent. And I've always been patted on the back for being so independent, right? Like the world rewards me for the, the thing that I'm doing to cover up from not healing. 100%. And I think one of the most interesting things when we talk about relationships, and, and I love that you highlight the relationship to yourself first, because that's where everything is. And, and 
it's so funny. I was in this, we have this Facebook group and I saw, I saw somebody post yesterday. I'm all about like meet your own needs. We have to be able to meet our own needs at least 50% of the time, but healthy interdependence requires that we can also not block ourselves from receiving our needs being met by others, that we can advocate for our needs from others and that we can communicate what our needs are and know them. And this person had, had wrote this message being like, that's BS. I don't want to meet my own needs. And and I hear that, you know, we, we think like that and we go through pain around it. But I said to this person, like, when we look at trauma, when we look at pain we go through in relationships, how did something that maybe happened when you were eight years old or seven years old, how is it still impacting you in your 40s, in your 50s? How is that possible? And what's actually happening at a subconscious level is we have to be firing and wiring those same neural pathways over and over again so that they're still hardwired, so that they're still an operating part of our paradigm. Otherwise, they would atrophy over time because neural pathways literally atrophy like muscles. Like if we stop working out our biceps, it, it, you know, we stopped getting that, that strength there. And so they become unusable after a while. And so we can know that if any trauma in our current life, any pattern in our current life and our relationships is still showing up, that's related to something all the way from the past, you can bet you're in a state of re-traumatization in the relationship to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I have found that there are two ways that this always happens. And there's two little looking glasses we can have into the subconscious mind to see where this is coming from. And one is like we talked about the needs that were unmet. So I love to ask people, what are your three greatest unmet needs from childhood? And how do you still not meet those needs in your relationship to yourself? Or how do you not advocate for those needs in your relationships to others? And if we have some work to do there, you can bet we've actually kept that neural pattern or paradigm of trauma alive without meaning to on autopilot our whole lives. And the other side is we have pain, right? Which are the unmet needs. Pain is in a way, good. Pain is there to help us grow and evolve. It's there to direct us. We have to adapt, change. Pain is also how we survived for so long as a species. We had hunger pains. We went to get food. We, you know, if we were thirsty, we did something about it. Now, suffering is the story we tell about the pain. It's the meaning we give to the pain. So maybe somebody has, you know, the pain of feeling disconnected or isolated because of some of the things that have gone on in the world in 2020. And then if they turn around and go, oh, I'm never going to have friends, or I'm always going to be alone, or it's because I'm not interesting enough or lovable enough that I'm feeling this way, that's the suffering. It's the storytelling. And that's the other way that we've kept trauma alive within us. And that's exactly what we spill directly into our relationships. So when we look back on the painful experiences we went through, we have to ask ourselves, what, what meaning did I give those traumas? How did I decide what I made that trauma mean about me or about other people. And those are your programs that we are reprojecting directly back into our relationships because our subconscious mind and this filter of programs literally is the lens we see the world through. We see the world through the subjective lens of our subconscious mind. And so it's really important for people to ask themselves, not just what unmet needs did I have in childhood, what pain, but also what suffering, what painful events did I go through and what stories did I tell about myself or other people because of them? And how are those things impacting me? Is this making me a better person or is this helping me push people away or sabotage relationships? And we have to take inventory of that as a first step. Yeah. And I, I, to your point, which was, that was tremendously helpful, by the way, for everyone that's listening, because you answered some of the questions that we get over and over and over again about like, what is reprogramming? Why does it have to happen? Because we understand that you have to reprogram before you can really upload any new software, right? Like that's why a lot of people don't vibe with 
to use that word, they don't vibe with like the affirmations and the positive talk and the pipe, right? Like we hear that all the time, like that crap doesn't work. Like it does, but we got to get to the hardware problems first. So we can really rewire that and then do the reprogramming to upload the new software. It's kind of like a, to simplify a three-step process, even though you and I both know it's a little bit more intricate than that, right? Yeah. And I would say too, this is something that's really important. And I like push this message everywhere because it's so valuable for people. Affirmations, the reason people hit a roadblock with affirmations is because there's a part of affirmations that are really challenging to actually imprint the subconscious mind. The the conscious mind speaks language, Mm -hmm. speaks literally linguistically. Like you and I are here speaking English. The subconscious mind does not really speak English Mm -hmm. or whatever language is native to us. The subconscious mind literally speaks through emotion and imagery. So when we're trying to do reprogramming work, if we're only using words, it's like we're trying to connect and you and I are trying to do like some kind of deep conversation together and we're speaking two different languages. It's going to be really difficult and things may not imprint and resonate. So what I tell people is when you find those painful programs, let's say you, you had this trauma when you were a kid and let's say your parents divorced, they didn't really show up for you during that divorce. And maybe you made that mean I'm unlovable or I'm unseen or I don't matter. And let's say you find that and you go, oh my gosh, this is a really painful story I've been carrying, not just in the relationship to myself and how I treat myself, but then that's spilling into everybody around me. And that's this really big trigger that shows up in my romantic relationships and my working relationships. How do I reprogram? But what you want to do is you want to actually take that, oppose it. So you want to be able to go, I do matter, or I am lovable. And you want to find 10 to 15 pieces of evidence a day for about 21 days. And the reason we look for evidence is that every time you pull up a piece of evidence, it's actually an image laced with emotion. So all memory is colored with emotion. And if I go, I do matter to my partner and here's a, here's a piece of evidence. Oh, the way he looked after me when I was sick the other day, the way he, you know, whatever it might be, that's actually going to pull up an image in your mind, which is the language of the subconscious imagery, and that's colored with emotion, the way you felt when that was happening. So now we actually use our conscious mind to speak the language of our subconscious mind, and then we can actually imprint and reprogram. So it's like isolate those programs first, get really clear, and then you can apply that. And if you do it in the first hour of the day or last hour before you go to bed, we're really suggestible at that time. We're producing more alpha and beta brain waves. So we're really open to be imprinted. And by the end of 21 days, you've really installed a deep program in your subconscious mind. And that old one can atrophy away. You know what I was going for, right? (laughs) Listen, listen, you broke it down so clearly. And Thais, that was amazing on so many levels that you simplified it, you organized it, and you provided it in a really digestible way. So I am positive that all of the Balance Bully listeners, the brave men and those bold, ambitious women are like, how do I find out more information? But we're not going to go there yet. You hit it so well. So before we like even get close to wrapping up, because I want to be mindful of your very productive and full schedule. The second favorite P word in my vocabulary, by the way, hint, hint. Um, But before we go into that, I would really like for you to share like how doing that work for yourself and, you know, for your clients that come along and, you know, report back to you their testimonies of doing the work. Like what are the, the benefits of really embracing it to live the life that they're teaching, selling, preaching to others? Like what are those real life benefits look like for people? 
Yeah, it's, it honestly, it's like immeasurable. So the first, I'm just going to speak from personal experience. And of course we've had like thousands of people go through this now and all these testimonials, all these amazing things, but I'm just going to speak to listeners as a human right now. And, and as somebody who carried a lot of, I like to think of our subconscious mind as being like this bag that we carry on our backs our whole life. And when we have some really positive experiences and things are working for us, we get to take some rocks out of the bag. But when we have a lot of negative experiences, we keep putting rocks in that bag. And the more we put rocks in the bag, um, the more we, we weigh ourselves down, obviously. And you know, this, the subconscious mind is also wired because it's very survival oriented to focus more on negative experiences than positive. It wants to remember all the bad things that can happen so it can protect itself, but that does not help us emotionally. And I would say some of the biggest things you will see Number one, when we start really getting those rocks out of our bag, we have so much more life energy back. Like wake up feeling more energized, sleep better at night, all these different things. Number two, our internal dialogue, when it really starts to change because we reprogram some of those painful beliefs, I don't think we realize how much our internal dialogue is affecting us. And because we go through the punishment reward system of you're good, you're bad, you get punished for doing things wrong, rewarded for doing things right. Most people don't realize they're in a state of reenacting that system in, in the relationship to themselves all the time. And that's exhausting. Imagine if you have somebody following you around all day being like, oh, you're an idiot for making that mistake at work. Oh, you're this, you're that. It, it can almost be abusive. And so when we get out of that state, we feel better emotionally. We feel positive. We feel, you know, and, and remember the thoughts we have throughout the day produce emotional reactions, which are made up of neurochemicals. So literally our thinking impacts our neurochemistry and thus our physiology. And so we have less cortisol. We have more, you know, this is deeply impacting us. And then I would say we stop personalizing things so much because we don't have all these core beliefs that are getting pushed on. Oh, I don't matter. Oh, I'm unlovable. And that's why the person did what they did. And I would also say we become clearer about what we want and we feel more fearless to move in the direction of it because we don't have all these things, all this meaning we're giving to all of our circumstances because of it. So, you know, get energy back, have clarity, feel way better about yourself in your life, have healthier, more thriving relationships, personalize things less. Like there are tremendous benefits. And I think everybody owes to themselves the ability to just take a look at what's going on inside of them and, and be that loving, kind person in the relationship to themselves and, and show up with compassion and work on your internal dialogue and some of these programs because we sometimes, as, a, as an adaptive species, don't realize how much they were weighing us down. Mm, 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 mm. I loved every single element of it. It's like you're inside my brain, which is <laughs> a very nice and scary place to be on multiple <laughs> levels. <laughs> <laughs> you so one of the uh, analogies or metaphors actually that you use was uh, the backpack. And there's a, a friend of mine that I, I love dearly. She's Trinidadian. She's from Trinidad. And she used to walk around all the time. If she was really like frustrated, she would say that that's not going in my backpack. Like that's your issue. That's your, that's your stuff, right? That I love. So as soon as you said it, I'm like, I'm going to call Roxy and tell her. <laughs> <laughs> Thais Gibson said, you were right for that. <laughs> Thais, when you're not out here just really helping people have better introspective, be, introspection, being able to really do the rewiring, the reprogramming, to upload the new software so they can live their best life, no pun intended there, because I know people say that kind of cheeky term all the, all the time, but when you're not doing that, how do you give yourself permission to pause? 
Oh my gosh, I am a very introspective person. So I love people and I love connecting with people, but I live for like my reflection time and like having that quiet time and space alone. So a huge space where I find like my pause is um, I'm definitely a meditator. I meditate twice a day, every day. You get to observe all your subconscious patterns during that time. I love journaling. It like fills my heart. Um, and, and I definitely have a big like spiritual morning and evening routine prayer, all those different things. Um, and I, I really, I lot every morning for about 45 minutes when I wake up, set my intentions, do all that stuff every evening before I go to bed, I have about an hour and a half where I'm like, this is my me time. This is my time to just like connect, be quiet, reflect. And, and I think that that is, um, something I live by and, and that I cherish, honestly. Mm, a girl after my own heart. I love all the pieces of this on so many levels. You'll understand when we when we end the recording. There are just some things you guys can't hear, okay? No. <laughs> no, I love that. So how can people connect with you and get access to more of the goodness you have, including the free gift that I believe you have for everyone? Yes. So um, we have we are looking at personaldevelopmentschool.com. Um, and we have an offer through there. There's a coupon code, I guess we can put it in the show notes for everybody. Um, and a free gift that comes with it. And then, um, on there, there's basically 38 different courses that I've written, um, on all these different things, how to reprogram your subconscious, you name it, lots of stuff. Um, and I also put out free daily YouTube content. So at personal development school dash Thais Gibson, um, there's a tremendous amount of, of videos on there, all sorts of things where people can just learn a little bit more about this whole dynamic. Mm, 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 mm. I love you to life. You have been an amazing gift for all the listeners. Your energy, your vibration, like all of it is, it is perfect. (laughs) And it's been so amazing chatting with you. I love your energy and everything you bring into the conversation. Thank you. We try, we try, we have our days. (laughs) You are awesome. Thank you so much again for spending your time with us and for just carving out this hour because I know how full your schedule is. You know how I know? Because of the dozens of conversations with your team. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your patience and for bringing me on. I so appreciate it. (laughs) You are more than worth it. You can add that to the rewiring. You are definitely more than worth it. This was amazing and a fantastic way to end the year. Like, hello, 2021. Yes. On so many levels. And hopefully an easier year for the collective. Oh, Yes, we will stand in intention together on that one. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Balance Boldly listeners. Oh my goodness. Was Thais Gibson not fantastical? Hashtag that. You know, I love making up hashtags because inside of me somewhere, there's a Generation Z person just like waiting to to get out. So my daughter and my son would probably say I'm trying to steal their life spirit. Um, I'm always talking in hashtags and I'm like, mom, stop, stop. You're too old. Cut it out. Um, That's not true. Right? I love it. That's what I got to shake all day. (laughs) Just be making up words. I love it. Uh, Oh God, this was so fantastic. I am sending my love, my light, my energy. I know Thais Gibson is standing with me as we both give you the most amazing wrap up to the end of 2020 as you all go into 2021. I look forward to seeing you on the other side of the moon, on the other side of the year, and just walking into something even more powerful than all the blessings and lessons that all of us have earned 
because we have earned them throughout the entire last decade, let alone the last year. So as always, you can follow me at Ask Nikita if you have any questions or just shoot me an email at asknikita at thinkpro.com. You guys know already that I'm everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, at all those places. If you have not already received the gift that was my survival memoir and personal transformation story, Selfish, permission to pause, live, love, and laugh your way to joy, go get it. Go get your gift off Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. It's 400,000 locations. Go grab it. Take time to enjoy the 209 pages of my blood, sweat, and tears. And then we can laugh about it later when you give me a five-star review and tell me how fantastical I am as well. Okay. <laughs> Sending you off with love and light. I want you to go create your balance and create your joy. But remember, for the love of God, please do it for